Hello and welcome to Rad Mom Radio, a podcast dedicated to moms and all their favorite topics. My name's Natalie and I'm your host. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. If this is your first time joining, thanks for being here with me. I hope you enjoy this episode. This is, in all transparency, my second time trying to record this. I gotta tell you, it is really hard to record during the summer. You know, having Riley home, like, he's he's a pretty um, vocal little boy. And so, like, all kinds of noises. He's, like, he has conversations with himself and stuff. So, you got him going on in the background. And then right when I was really starting to feel, like, with podcasting for me, like, I get into, a like, a rhythm where I'm comfortable and I know what I want to talk about and what I want to say. And just as I was getting there, the neighbor who lives, like, right, like, right by my uh, bedroom window. Um, he started rolling his trash cans up and then a gardener came and I was like, sounded like there was a chainsaw in the background and a weed whacker and a lawnmower. And so I basically had to scrap the whole thing and start over. So hopefully I can get through this without a bunch of noise. But today's topic is a little bit different than what I normally do, but I think it's a good topic. It's tips for dining out and attending social events with an autistic child. And, you know, in my group that I run for moms of autistic kids, a lot of times we ask each other for advice on different things. And I think that this is one of those things that often we need advice about, like little tips and strategies. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. I actually posted in my group asking moms if they wanted to contribute a tip and they gave me some really great ones so I'm going to be sharing those with you. I think that dining out or going out in public with children in general is very challenging and with any child neurotypical or neurodivergent and I think the main reason for that is that Rules inside the home are so different from rules outside the home. You know what I mean? Like what children are allowed to do in the comfort of their own home with their families in a safe space tends to be different than what they're allowed to do in public. For instance, and maybe this is a testament to my maturity level, but the first thing that came to my mind is farting, you know, passing gas, burping. Those are things that I would assume most children don't get in trouble for doing at home unless it's like over the top or something. But like in public, that's something that normally we would discourage children from doing or at the very least excusing themselves after they do so. I remember when I was probably like 12 or 13. So my sister is two years younger than me and my brother is six years younger than me. And I remember one time my mom took us out to eat and my brother is, 
he's a handful. He does not care what anybody thinks about him. He is just a very, like, out there kind of person. He really does not care what anybody thinks. He says what he thinks. He does what he wants. And he's always been like that, even when he was a little boy. And so when we went out to this restaurant one time, I think just to be a jerk, he loudly says in the restaurant, Mom, did you fart? You know, and and she was so embarrassed. And so obviously he picked up on the fact that that's something that we don't do out in public. He probably would have been, I guess, like seven. But I think that in general, it's hard for kids to maybe remember or really learn that, you know, things that I can do at home have to be adjusted when I go out in public. I can't be as loud as I am at home. I can't run around. I can't jump. I have to sit still. And I think that's just a lot for little bodies, you know, and growing brains. And then I think when you add in, you know, autism, I think that adds a layer of, you know, like an extra layer of challenges because a lot of people on the spectrum have sensory processing issues and the world outside our home is full of sensory information, sensory input, you know, at restaurants, you know, you hear people talking, you might hear music, you hear plates and forks clinking, you hear like just all of these things, all of these layers of noise. And then maybe like, you know, you're dealing with food textures and, you know, maybe just like the sensory input of being in a room with a lot of people. Um, and that would especially apply to like going to a theme park or going to Target or a grocery store. So there's just a lot to, you know, factor in. There's also waiting, you know, you have to wait for things and there's just a lot, a lot of input, a lot of things to process. And, you know, this could also, you know, these tips could also go towards like family events, you know, you know, like uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas gatherings with your family. And a lot of times, you know, when you are a family with a person on the spectrum, there's adjusting that has to happen. You know, you have to basically educate the other people in your life outside your immediate family on how to, you know, help your autistic family member feel comfortable at gatherings. So there's just a lot. So I'm going to share these that I got from my mom's and then I'll share some that, that I use. So my friend Juliana, she added this tip. She says, before we leave the house or in the car, we talk it over with the kids about what they will be eating and behavior expectations. We take Kindles, small, quiet toys, and books. When the server comes for the drink orders, we put in the orders for the kids' food and ask them to bring them out as soon as they are ready. After we are all done eating, one of the adults, or my oldest, will take out the younger kids to the car while the other adult pays. So this is really a great tip because basically she's streamlining the experience 
She's asking that the food, you know, instead of waiting to order the food after the drinks, she's ordering it all at the same time so it comes quicker. She's bringing things to keep them occupied and having a way for the kiddos to exit the restaurant because kids start to get restless. Kids are not really interested in sitting at a table and talking for hours. So that's a great tip. I really like that one. I'm a big advocate of sensory toys. I think that it's silly, to be honest, to not allow a child to have like a fidget toy. I know sometimes it can be inconvenient to have a child come with a bunch of toys, but to be really honest, those things can really help them if they're feeling restless or distracted and they can also be like a comfort item. So I'm, I'm really into that. Riley last year took a fidget spinner to school every day and it wasn't a big deal. When he was asked to keep it in his pocket, he kept it in his pocket. When he needed to use it, he was allowed to use it. And that really helped us a lot. So another one of my moms named Christina says, I used to Google menus of new places to make sure I could find something my son would eat. I also would ask to be seated as far from the kitchen as possible because of the loud noises and would be sure to bring a tablet or something to keep you to keep him occupied and happy. And I would always let him know ahead of time where we were going and give reminders so he wouldn't get upset in the change of routine. These are great tips also. I actually will Google menus myself for me before I go somewhere because I have a hard time like making up my mind, you know, like making decisions. And so I'm also one of those people that never likes to inconvenience anybody. So I don't want to have to feel rushed. I want to have time to think about what I'm going to eat. So I do that for myself. And then sitting far away from the kitchen, like I said, those noises are a lot for people with sensory processing issues. So if you can be further away from that, that's always good. My friend Nidia says, Another good tip we like to do is, one, be there right when a theme park opens so we are there early before it gets crowded, or if we have time to spare in our day, catch an event just when it gets close to closing time, and most of the crowd left already makes it easier for us to attend. Two, park closest to the exit so if you have to leave, it's easy to take off before you hit the traffic. I can't say enough about number two. That's a really good one leaving events that are packed with lots of people you know like a concert or I would assume like if you go somewhere that does like uh 4th of July fireworks those things come to mind or like Disneyland at the end of the day trying to get out can be pretty overwhelming so that's uh, that's a really good tip also Diana says So she has a son named Julian that's on the spectrum. She said, when Julian was young and we went out to eat, I would send my older son in to order fries. So by the time we walked in with Julian and sat down, the fries were given to us. Julian sat, ate his fries while we ordered our food. And then while we were eating, we would order his food too. So we were all eating at the same time. But it didn't matter if I went to a restaurant, if I went to McDonald's or Burger King, we always ordered him fries 
And then we knew that after his fries were done, then the food would come. I never had an outburst with Julian at a restaurant or people's houses or at like a fast food place. Because even when we went to other people's houses, I always had a little bag with snacks that I knew he would eat until it was time for everybody to get together and eat. That's a really good tip that kind of goes along with what I was saying about waiting Sometimes it is hard for kids and adults on the spectrum to wait for things. So that's a really good one. Snacks are great. I I think that it's always good to have snacks available for the waiting time. But then also because a lot of times, you know, kids on the spectrum have food aversions. So a place you're going to might not have anything that they want to eat or it might not have like the right kind of thing that they want to eat. Like your kid might really like chicken nuggets, but like a specific uh, type of chicken nuggets. So just bringing something for them that they can have is always a great idea. I always do that if we're going somewhere with Riley, even if it's just like an applesauce and a Capri Sun, like just something Um, Because he does get hangry. I've actually been noticing that over the last few months. Like his mood drastically changes sometimes once he has something to eat. And that's how I know when he was like seeming a little edgy. It's because he was hungry. Like he was getting hangry. So snacks are always a good idea. And then the last one I have here for my moms is from Amanda. She says, for the older ones, parties, school functions, and guests can be a lot, but everyone needs people. We talk about what to expect from the event and when it would be okay for them to opt out. I made them life kit binders, which include a dress code. I got so mad saying that is not appropriate, but then it dawned on me, how would they know? Our kiddos aren't motivated to follow the trends. That's not their thing. We also have the text us for any reason, so that we can come get them, no questions asked, if they are heading towards a shutdown or for any reason really. We rehearse anything that may be unclear or brand new. We talk about dealing with rude people, because our kiddos love a rule and enforcing them on unsuspecting strangers. I love that. So there's a lot of good stuff here. Parties, school functions, and guests can be a lot. That is a lot. Not just for people on the spectrum, but for like introverts, people with social anxiety. That's a lot, you know, getting ready for an event, thinking about who's going to be at the event. Just all the things that you have to think about can be a lot. I also think that preparing kids ahead of time is a really good idea. And a lot of times with kids on the spectrum, we use something called social stories, which can be like pictures of what's going to happen in sequence with maybe like a little description underneath. So if you're going to like, let's say like, you know, when this episode goes live, we'll actually be in San Diego taking Riley surfing with a nonprofit called Surfers Healing. They take kids on the spectrum out surfing. And so for instance, like if I felt like I needed to, or it would benefit Riley, I could make like a social story about that. So I'd make like a little picture, like maybe us driving to San Diego, maybe us getting to the beach, Riley, you know, meeting the people that are going to help him, Riley in the water surfing, just so that he can understand what's going to happen. 
and in what sequence so that he can be prepared and so that he's not kind of like blindsided with things that he's not expecting. I think that that can help kids a lot. We also call that like front loading, like giving them that information ahead of time. Sometimes kids do really well with that. Sometimes they don't. You kind of just have to go based on what you know about your child. With Riley, sometimes I do not give him information until closer to the to the event. So for instance, like this surfing thing, I signed him up for this probably like three months ago, but I didn't tell him about it until the week prior because he'll ask me about it every day and I think it kind of makes him anxious. So the week prior, I told him like, hey, you know, we're going to go to San Diego on this day. We're going to go to Legoland. And on this day, we're going to go surfing. And he remembers dates. So every once in a while, he might ask me like, so on this day, you know, the actual date, we're going to do this. And so that's kind of how I do it with Riley. But you, like I said, you have to kind of go with what is going to most benefit your child um, as an individual. So social stories can be good for all kinds of things, all kinds of things. They're really helpful. I think with Riley, what I do when we're going places, I try not to get there too early because the longer that Riley has to wait, the more agitated he gets. And once he starts to get agitated, I feel like his mood. It's like it drains his energy kind of. So I try not to get places too early, but I also try not to get there late. I kind of just try to find that sweet spot as far as like arriving at places. I do tell him, you know, right now what we're trying to teach him is, you know, when you're talking to people, there are things that are that are good to say and things that are not good to say. You know, children are very honest. And that's one of the things I love most about kids is you will always get an honest answer from a child. If they think you're ugly, they're going to tell you. If they think your teeth are yellow, they're going to tell you. And that's great. But also we have to teach them what things are okay to say to people and what things are not good to say to people. So, you know, that's something that that I'm trying to help Riley learn. I want him to be an honest person, but I also want him to understand, you know, certain things, you know, you just kind of like you can think them and keep them inside your head, but it's best if you don't say them. You know what I mean? So... I kind of sometimes go over things like that with him lately. If we're going to go somewhere or meet someone that he hasn't met before, I try to make sure that he's gone to the bathroom before we go. Sometimes that doesn't really matter, but I still try. You know, we're going to go to Legoland. And I think something that I've become very aware of with Riley is that Riley is not going to communicate that he's overwhelmed. He's not going to communicate that he's, you know, had enough of a certain environment, you know? Like, before Riley, like, before we knew that he was on the spectrum, 
We took him to Disneyland and I could not figure out why he wasn't having a good time. I could not figure it out. He was fussing a lot. He seemed irritable. He did not want to do anything that I thought like we're going to go and he's going to want to do everything. He's going to be so excited. And he was not like he would have thought we were taking him to the doctor. Like he was not into it at all. And now I know that he was experiencing sensory overload, you know. So now, you know, that we're going to go to Legoland, we're going to go to Disneyland around his birthday. And now I know that Riley needs time in quiet, like an introvert. Like he's going to need to go back to the hotel and chill out. And so we have to, you know, just be very mellow about it. And just enjoy whatever we're able to experience instead of like trying to see and do all the things. So that's definitely something Josh and I have adapted to with Riley is kind of going with the flow and letting it be what it's going to be and just enjoying being together and doing something fun together. It doesn't have to be like we went on every ride, we saw everything, we got our money's worth. We're just focused on having a good time, making the most of it, you know, letting Riley figure out what he wants to do. And I think that leads to a much more successful experience. Now, when it comes to family events, that's like a whole separate category, but I still think it's worth talking about. I am very blessed because my family... So my family, what I'm referring to is, you know, my husband and his side of the family, everyone for the, well, the immediate family understands a lot about autism because, you know, Riley's on the spectrum. My nephew Isaiah is on the spectrum. My sister-in-law Janine used to be an autism inclusion teacher So it's not this big, like, battle with my family. People understand and, you know, are very willing to accommodate, you know, my sister-in-law Janine. Her kids are very, you know, she's raised them to be very aware of autism. My niece, especially Zoe, is like, she's super sweet. She's 10 years old and she is very, like... I don't even know what word to use, but she's almost kind of like a little advocate for Riley as well. Like she knows kind of that Riley struggles with certain things and she tries to help him in certain ways. So we're just very blessed in that way. Family events are usually not a big source of struggle, but if they were, what I would, you know, suggest or recommend is some of the similar things in going out in public, but, you know, you should never feel bad about telling your family that this is what my child needs. And if they're not cool with that, or if they're resistant to that, then that's something that I think needs to be discussed because every member of the family deserves to be heard and to have a good time at family functions So having like a separate room where your kid can go in to decompress if things are too overwhelming, 
you know, bringing a tablet, bringing fidget toys, bringing a comfort item, bringing food that you know that they like, you know, in case the host doesn't have something that your child likes. Those are all things that you should feel comfortable doing. And if the host is, you know, put off by that, you know, just have a conversation about, you know, these are things that are going to help my child, you know, in this environment so that we can all enjoy ourselves. I've gotten to the point where I'm very comfortable around my family. I don't feel like I have to have Josh with me. But if I'm going to places in public, I definitely like to have him with me. Sometimes it can be overwhelming to to take Riley out by myself. It just kind of depends on the environment. Like to birthday parties, unless it's like... Yeah, I pretty much, I don't really like going solo to birthday parties with Riley because I can never predict if he's going to enjoy himself or want to be there or if he's not. And I've gone to some birthday parties where I've been absolutely miserable because Riley just wasn't feeling it that day. And so I end up wondering why I did this in the first place. I end up being really frustrated So when it comes to things like birthday parties, I don't go solo. But family events, I will because I'm comfortable and um, other people will, you know, help me out with things if I need it. So trying to think if there's anything else. I say like definitely being honest always about what your child needs, you know, speaking up for your child and yourself and not feeling bad about the different things that you might need to do to help your child be successful at an event. I think it's really silly that there's like this shame around electronics and having electronics at events. And the reason I think that's silly is because adults need social interaction too. So if you go to a restaurant and the only way to be able to talk to the people you're with is to give your kid your phone, I really don't see the problem with that. And That is a tool you're using so that you can socialize and enjoy a meal in public. And that's something that you deserve. So I don't think there's any reason that there should be a shame or judgment around using electronics when they are beneficial. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Yeah, I think that covered a lot of stuff. So those are some really good tips for dining out, going to family events, going to different places in public. I would love to know if you have a tip that was not mentioned. If you do, you can send me a message. You can message me on Instagram. So my email address is radmomradio at gmail.com. You can always get in touch with me if you'd like to be a guest on the show. It is for moms. So if you're a mom and you'd like to do that, feel free to send me an email. You can also find me on Instagram at radmomradio. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to my moms who contributed a tip. I hope you have a great week and I will talk to you soon. Bye.